It seems kind of hopeless right now, but you're going to figure this out. This is pretty debilitating. I'm able to turn my pain into purpose. There are people out in the world that do understand what you're going through. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Karen about Parkinson's disease. According to the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research at michaeljfox.org, Parkinson's disease, or PD, occurs when brain cells that make dopamine, a chemical that coordinates movement, stop working or die. Because PD can cause tremor, slowness, stiffness, and walking and balance problems, it is called a movement disorder. But constipation, depression, memory problems, and other non-movement symptoms also can be a part of Parkinson's. PD is a lifelong and progressive disease, which means that symptoms slowly worsen over time. Before recording this interview with Karen, I had a general understanding of Parkinson's disease, but I was shocked to learn how much I didn't know. I didn't really know anything about the chemical process taking place in the brain that causes Parkinson's symptoms, or the different potential causes to trigger this disease. I was absolutely fascinated by Karen's experience and the way that she describes living with this condition. She'll tell us about taking levodopa, which is considered the gold standard in Parkinson's medication. She'll also tell us about the wide-ranging and individualized symptom presentation that come with this disease. Karen initially went to a neurologist because she noticed her right arm wasn't swinging as normal when she was walking. And since her initial diagnosis, she has been experiencing a slow increase in symptoms that progress over time. There are so many different symptoms that Parkinson's can cause. One of them that Karen mentions is called micrographia. This is characterized by a change in the size of a person's handwriting. So as they're writing by hand, their letters will get smaller and smaller. This is a sign of Parkinson's disease, something I had never even heard of. I love how this episode turned out. I think it's so interesting to dive deep on a disease that many of us have heard of and think we understand but then come to realize that the actual reality of living with the disease, the symptoms it can cause, the chemical process in the brain, the way it's treated, all of this was so different from my preconceptions about Parkinson's disease. And Karen is giving us a real gift of this inside view of this disease. I'm very grateful that she appeared on the show, and I'm excited to share it with you in just a couple minutes. The bonus episode for the Major Pain Podcast for the month of May is finally available. We are late this month. We've had a couple things uh, slowing us down. Andy is actually recovering from a really nasty bout of food poisoning. And it's been a really bizarre month for her because not only has she been sick, but she's also in a show that opened this month. Uh, and several people in the cast and crew of the show came down with COVID. Luckily, Andy dodged that, but then she did get food poisoning. So uh, <laughs> it took us a minute to find the time to sit down and record when both of us were feeling well enough. But we finally did it. We fill you in on everything that's been going on, as well as talking about uh, what we're enjoying these days. And of course, for me, it's not just the uh, series finale of Star Trek Picard, which we get into a little bit spoiler free because, you know, got to give people time to see it. Uh, but also Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, which is my new obsession. So we talk about all that and more on this week's bonus episode. It is available to everyone supporting this podcast through Patreon. We have an amazing community of listeners supporting this podcast with monthly financial contributions. Starting at $2 per month and going up to $25 per month, everybody gains access to our monthly bonus episodes with myself and Andy, and they're always so much fun. I'll leave a link to our newest bonus episode in the show notes for this podcast. So if you're already subscribed on Patreon, you'll have a quick and easy way to link over to that. And if you're not subscribed, click that link. It'll take you to Patreon and give you some options to sign up and support the podcast. 
We have different levels of recognition and gifts for our different tiers of support. Extra special thank you to our Patreon producers supporting this podcast at the highest tier of $25 per month. Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. You can learn more on our Patreon campaign, patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. There are several other great ways to support the continued creation of this podcast. You can follow us on social media, participate in research studies and surveys while getting paid for your time through Rare Patient Voice, or just share the show with a friend. You can learn about all these great ways to support the podcast on our website, majorpainpodcast.com slash support. I'll remind you as always that my guests and I are not medical professionals. So please do not take any medical action based off what you hear on this podcast without first consulting your doctor. And with that, we'll jump into our fantastic episode with Karen about Parkinson's disease. Karen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Uh, It's not often that I get to thank my Patreon supporters uh, face-to-face or as close as we can get over Zoom. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for your continued support of the podcast. You've been a Patreon supporter for, I think, over a year now. Well, that's nice. I'm happy to support you. That's very appreciated. Um, Karen, let's get to know you a little bit. Why don't you tell us about yourself? Well, I'm... um not a native San Diegan, but I moved here when I was a teenager in 1960. So I've been in San Diego for quite some time. Um, I'm a quilter and have uh, been so since 1975 or so. I'm retired. I was an executive secretary to a vice president of a company here in San Diego. And I'd like to travel, but I've only traveled um, to Alaska mostly because my son lives there. And uh, so I enjoy that beautiful country. Um, I lived in Japan as a teenager because my father was in the service. Oh, wow. And so uh, we lived there during the 50s and uh, very beginning of the 1960s. It was a different place, but it was a wonderful place to grow up. Wow, so interesting. Yeah. And uh, I have three children. One of them lives in Alaska. That's why I go there to visit. And uh, two of them live up in Orange County. As you know, I grew up in San Diego. And yes. I've been to Alaska a few times, and it's beautiful. I love Alaska. Oh, isn't it? It's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely gorgeous. Although I haven't been there in the winter, so that, I guess that's a whole yeah. different experience. <laughs> yeah, I've been in the winter a couple of times, and it is, but it's still beautiful. Yeah, it's so peaceful and mm-hmm. um, not very densely populated, which is a really interesting change. Yeah, that's true. Except uh, my son lives in Anchorage, which is the biggest city in Alaska. Mm. And uh, they get their share of little traffic jams, but nothing like here, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Karen, let's jump into your story. What is your major pain? Um, I was diagnosed with uh, Parkinson's disease in uh, 2016. Oh, wow. Actually, it was the end of 2015. And um, it's been a very slow progressing problem for me. I think the initial reason that I went to um, see a neurologist was that um, I wasn't swinging my arms as you would normally do when you're walking. Um, My my right arm would stay still beside me. Hmm. My sister particularly noticed it, and I had also noticed it myself. And, of course, I had read some things about Parkinson's, which seemed to indicate that it might be something I, I had. Yeah. Since then, 
my symptoms have increased, but very slowly. So I've had, what is that, about six, seven years, seven or eight years I've had it. But they say that by the time your symptoms show up, you've already had the disease for five, perhaps five years or longer, because it takes that long for enough cells in your brain to be damaged uh, and this, the motor symptoms to start showing up. So I could have had it as soon as probably 10 years ago or, or longer. The uh, main symptoms that I currently are, are showing is um, tremors at some t times, um, a slow gait, in other words, walking and doing things slowly, some instability as far as posture goes. Um, you tend to stoop over or lean over slightly, and you also have uh, balance issues, which uh, contributes to falling in many people. I have not fallen, thank goodness. But um, other things, um, there's other non-motor symptoms, such as um, your loss of smell. You don't smell food or other scents uh, like normal people do. There's some cognitive issues. Uh, words don't come as easily. And sometimes you um, have poor judgment, although I don't think I'm to that point yet. <laughs> You also um, have fatigue, and uh, fatigue is a big factor for me. Um, if I have a task to do, I can usually do it for 20 or 30 minutes, and then I have to stop and rest my brain, more or less, as well as um, any physical involvement. But um, that's a big one. And also, it comes with episodes of depression and anxiety. Um, I don't have that too much either, but um, some people do. All the symptoms are very different for different people. So somebody might have no cognitive problems and other people might have significant cognitive problems. And they do get worse as time goes on. Um, they say that um, the lifespan of a person with Par Parkinson's is from anywhere from 10 to 20 years after they've been diagnosed although I have seen a few people that have gone beyond that. So I actually don't know too much about Parkinson's, and I'm really, you know, grateful that you're coming on the show to, talk, to teach us about this today because mm -hmm. um, this is the first time we've ever covered Parkinson's on the podcast, which um, has been a huge omission, so I'm really glad that we're talking about oh. this. Yeah, well, I'm not an expert, but um, of course. <laughs> happy to, happy to uh, let you know what I know. Yeah, and you know, I... I almost never talk to experts on the show. I, it's mm -hmm. for me, it's all about the patient experience. I'd rather hear about it from the person living with it living than with someone it. for whom it is an abstract idea that they have studied. You know, to me, talking to the actual person is so much more interesting because it is it becomes uh, tied into your identity. It's a it becomes a part of who you are to have any sort of chronic illness or disability. You either learn to in integrate it into yourself or you fight against yourself. And I think that that's a really fascinating thing that we all that we all live through for Absolutely. all these different diseases. Yes. Um, well, um, what I know about Parkinson's, the, the cause of it and what it, it, yeah. it is, is that um, it can be from several different causes, although they're not really certain about any of them, frankly. Um, you can have a genetic disposition to it. Mm -hmm. If you have other people in your family that have had Parkinson's, um, 
It is also thought to be caused by um, toxins, exposure to toxins, perhaps long term. And also it uh, can be determined that it's caused by blows to the head. Hmm. I know several boxers who've had it, um, Muhammad Ali for one. Um, and I don't know Michael J. Fox's origins, but he had it as a young person. So it yeah. was quite different. The actual process of it taking a hold in your, your body is that um, certain nerve cells in your brain, in the central part of your brain, the basal ganglia, start to die because they are blocked by uh, certain proteins that cause Lewy bodies. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but no. these are little, some sort of a um, organism that, or not an organism, but a f I don't know how to describe it, but it blocks um, the brain cells from producing dopamine. And dopamine is the main um, thing in your brain that controls motor movement. Oh, wow. I motor. didn't know that. Motor, motor function. So if you're not producing dopamine, you, your, your body starts to not respond to um, what you need to move, what you're needing to move. And <clears throat> so eventually you, you're, you're starting to tremor, your, your limbs become rigid and um, you can't move very well. And the main um, treatment for Parkinson's has for the last 50, well, I think more than that, probably 75 years has been the administration of dopamine via a, a drug called levodopa. Hmm. And <clears throat> that replaces dopamine. It doesn't do anything to save the cells in your brain. It just replaces the, um, the drug or enzyme that dopamine that you need to move <clears throat> yeah. so it's an oral it's an oral um dispensing of this drug either by mouth or they do have devices that are implanted that will um, release dopamine on a continuous basis wow and has that drug been effective for you yes it has um i take the lowest dose that i can get away with because if you eventually it starts to be not as effective. So the less you take over time, the longer you will be able to go without um, losing effectiveness. Mm. Wow. So, and it, it lasts, uh, depending on the person, I guess, it depends how long it will last, but I take it about three to four times a day. And it does help uh, with releasing that rigidity and allowing you to walk and not to have tremors. So is it something where you wake up in the morning and it's a little bit hard to get things going until you take this drug? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so frustrating. To, isn't it? It's every day. Cause it's every day. You got to deal with that every yeah, day. First every thing. Day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Take me back to 2015. You noticed that one of your arms wasn't swinging properly. Mm -hmm. And then I'm assuming made an appointment with primary care? Did they refer you I to did. a neurologist? I, I did with the primary care doctor and she referred me to my um, movement specialist neurologist. Mm. Yeah. And uh, she diagnosed me almost right away, um, just from muscle tone and walking and just observing me. Interesting. 
So like a clinical sort of examination, they can do a yes. Parkinson's di diagnosis that easily. Yes, yeah, so depending on how your symptoms are, okay. I think. Yeah. I think there are tests, brain scans and things that they can do now that mm. maybe are a little more definitive. I'm not sure. This sounds like it happened relatively quickly from noticing symptoms to getting a diagnosis. It seems mm -hmm. like that was a pretty short amount of time. That's not much time to sort of process uh, this type of massive information. I know. Um, I was aware of the of my symptoms. I was also probably shuffling my feet a little bit mm. more than you normally should. And so I was aware of those couple of symptoms probably for three or four months, maybe four or five months, six months uh, before I actually went to the doctor. But um, yeah, it was a big, it wasn't a total surprise because I had my suspicions, but um, it was kind of a sudden determination that, oh, life is going to be different from now on. Yeah, that's a real line in the sand. <laughs> it what, is. What did that feel like? Um, well, because I had some suspicions about it, it wasn't too awful. And I had read, a, I immediately started reading up on it and re read, you know, well, it's, you're not going to die tomorrow. And if you know what's coming, you can prepare for it. Mm -hmm. So um, I feel like I was fairly prepared um, for each of the symptoms that have come up as they came. Yeah. And what was that progression like? What was the order in which new symptoms progressed um, and how long did it take between one symptom showing up to the next it's so gradual i can't really tell you how mm. what it, how long it was in between or yeah. until the next one came and you know they may have come a couple of them at the same time um i also noticed a loss of smell before before the motor symptoms but i just thought oh that's because i'm getting older whatever mm. um and that's a typical thing is to lose those have those type of symptoms before the motor symptoms are, are noticeable. Yeah. But along the way, um, I have um, noticed differences in my handwriting. Um, they call it micrographia, where your hand is not as coordinated as normal. So you start writing and your handwriting gets into tiny little letters. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty, it's fine when I'm on, my full medication it's just otherwise it's it's hard to read sometimes and also um you have other physical problems like people with parkinson's suffer from constipation more often than other people because the muscles in your digestive tract don't move the contents along as quickly as they should and so you get some constipation issues as well as urinary tract um, issues. Um, so that has to be addressed as well. Oh, I get a lot of cramping, um, leg cramps and foot cramps and hand cramps in my hands, where it's it just kind of like paralyzes until I can manage to work my hand or my foot so that the pain goes away. It sounds like as, as things have progressed slowly, you've had this opportunity to learn how to integrate it into your life. And then mm -hmm. as new things pop up, it sounds like that process 
just continues. Um, and I, you know, I know from experience how, how frustrating it can be to integrate a chronic illness into your life um, or a disability of any kind. So mm-hmm. how would you characterize that process for you? Because this is an interesting case where it's, you know, the initial shock you have Parkinson's disease happens so fast, but then everything else is sort of drawn out. Um, how, how have you wrapped your brain around integrating that into your life? Just one day at a time, I think. Hmm. Um, I try to um, get plenty of exercise because exercise helps your body move in more coordinated ways. I think I walk four or five days a week and then I have an exercise class two to four times a week. So those are very important to me. I try to get enough sleep and enough to proper food, you know, but sometimes living alone, you don't uh, necessarily do the best you can for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) But I have um, addressed it just as part of my life now. So you just deal with it or you look up, you do some research and look for new ways to handle things. Have you ever gotten frustrated that you have to do that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. How do you push through that? I just stop and I think, well, some people have it much worse than me. Mm. (laughs) And, uh, I think everybody helps me whenever they can. My children help me every day, if I, you know, by talking to me on the phone and uh, giving me suggestions. So we're doing fine. Awesome. How has this affected your your family and your relationships? I don't think it's really changed too much. Um, although they they're aware of it and they look out for me um, more. I don't think it's changed anything else about our relationship or even that with my friends. um, Hmm. I feel like they treat me differently, like I'm handicapped or anything or disabled. That's great to hear. That's a a common theme on the show is people being Mm -hmm. diagnosed with something and the people in their lives putting a little distance between them. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something that I've felt like was happening to me before. And upon reflection, I'm not sure if it was... Um, all necessarily coming from them. I think part of it came from me of, you know, me kind of closing the walls down a little bit so I could sort of go inward and um, process and, Mm -hmm. and also just rest because I was so exhausted. I didn't have the energy to, to do anything social. Oh, sure. Um, I was pretty upfront with what, that I had Parkinson's from the very beginning because I didn't see any point in concealing the fact. And so, if people know what you're suffering from, they're more likely to understand the behavior other than put their own labels on it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that's probably been a helpful thing just to be upfront and talk about it. You know, if people have any questions or concerns about me being part of a group, then that's out there. I, I agree. I respect that. I think that that's something that took me a long time to do. I think I tried to hide it whether or not I was doing it intentionally or not, you know, with, with an an invisible illness, it's, you know, you either talk to people about it and get weird looks or you hide it (laughs) (laughs) oftentimes. Yeah. And hiding it, it just doesn't seem like it's um, productive because Mm -hmm. if you're hiding it, you're still having symptoms or pain or whatever is involved in your, in your illness and people aren't understanding why you're like that yeah it's better just just get it out there yeah totally i mean that's you know 
I definitely came around to that eventually. And that's mm -hmm. how this podcast was born. Um, oh. And it's, it's brought me so much relief to be so much more open about what I've experienced. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I've also had the opportunity to recognize that, you know, other people weren't having the same experience of it that I was. And the reasons I thought that our relationships were suffering were not necessarily um, the actual reasons, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that a difficult part of a Parkinson's diagnosis is definitely the degenerative nature of the disease. Is that mm -hmm. something that you have spent time thinking about or do you sort of put those thoughts aside and just focus on the present moment? Um, no, I've thought about it. Um, I don't n totally know what to anticipate, but I have known people who are in later stages of Parkinson's and what has happened to them. And it's, it's kind of s sad and disappointing, but, um, I don't dwell on it. Mm. Um, you know, at some point I'm sure I'll have to need to have assistance and everything, but, um, uh, at this point in time, I'm doing okay. Yeah. Um, my children do want me to downsize and move sometime in the next couple of years. So we'll see how that goes. I've lived in this house for like 45 years. So mm. imagine the accumulation of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Plus it's your home, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, so I'm not looking forward to doing that, but um, I can see that it's going to be a necessity at some point. I hear you. That's really complicated. The desire to do what you want to do versus what your body mm -hmm. is telling you you have to do yeah. can often right. be at odds. It definitely. Yeah. And that's a difficult thing to learn to accept, you know, learning to let go a little bit of what you want and care for yourself. It's easier to care for someone else's needs oftentimes than your own. Mm-hmm. Has that been an adjustment process for you? Um, I think so. Probably so. Yeah. The only problem I have is letting go of things. And so I'm sure that's a problem for lots of older people, but hmm. um, I'm ready to, to try to attempt it. <laughs> <laughs> letting go of things as in physical belongings? Yeah. Physical things. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Are there any assistive devices or techniques or anything like that that you've adopted since your diagnosis? I use a walking stick when I'm walking. I don't use a walker yet or any other thing to help me walk. They have lots of different things you can use. Um, they have a device that goes over the uh, toilet so that you can lift yourself easily off, mm. of, the, off of the toilet. They have bath um, stools and things like that, but I haven't had to have those yet. So we'll see okay, yeah. when that comes. Have you had the opportunity to connect with other Parkinson's patients? Um, I have um, a couple of experiences. I was a member of um, some a group called Treble Clef, and it's a group for people to sing mm -hmm. because singing apparently uh, helps your voice maintain its strength and um, the continuity of the of the sound of your voice mm -hmm. and. So I was a part of that group for a year or so, but um, I left it because it was too far away and it was on the wrong days. So yeah. sometimes those things don't work out. I also um, have done um, boxing classes, um, which is supposed to be a, a good exercise for people with Parkinson's. And that was a very good experience too. Um, lots of exercise and 
strengthening your arms and things. So that was a good experience too. And I do still participate in that occasionally uh, via Zoom. I don't go up to the gym as much as or at all anymore, actually. But that was a good experience. And it had people in it from various levels of or various progression points in the disease. So mm. people who had just been diagnosed along with people who were in later stages, even a couple of people who came to classes um, who were in wheelchairs. I'm just imagining you all punching each other. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly punched bags and okay. punching bags. <laughs> that makes more and sense. <laughs> they, had a couple of, they had a couple of coaches that would um, take you into the ring and you'd, you know, punch, mostly punch into their mitts. Mm. So it was good, though. It was a good exercise. Yeah, fun. I love that. Mm -hmm. It was called rock steady boxing. Cool. Um, so you mentioned the the medication that you're taking. Are there any other uh, supplements, you know, any other medications or even dietary things that are helpful with Parkinson's? Only dietary things as, as you would take them for the symptom itself. Mm. In other words, if um, you're having urinary tract infections or problems, then it would be the same things you would take, you know, like cranberry juice or whatever yeah. you would normally take. So there's nothing addressed specifically as a supplement for Parkinson's to help with Parkinson's other than something that d directly um, addresses the symptom. They do have other medications that are supposed to help the levodopa last longer or um, boosted a little bit or something. I took one of them for a while, but it was making me dizzy. So I had to stop taking that. And otherwise, levodopa is pretty much this gold standard for Parkinson's. They don't, there's really no other drug to speak of that does the same thing that it does. Yeah. Um, there is another therapy, which is deep brain stimulation, which is um, they implant electrodes in your brain and you have an uh, implanted device that controls how much it, it stimulates your brain and at what levels and everything. But I haven't investigated that um, very thoroughly yet. I, I'm curious, you may be the wrong person to ask about this, but you mentioned, you know, raising dopamine levels in the brain. And I know um, there's a lot of medicinal cannabis users out there, and that is one of the main properties of cannabis. Mm -hmm. Are there people in the Parkinson's community who use medicinal cannabis to raise their dopamine levels? I think there is. Um, mm. I personally haven't done it because I, I guess I haven't talked to my doctor about it. Yeah. But maybe I should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be worth a conversation. I mean, I always, yeah. I, I used med medicinal cannabis for years and I did discover that it can raise your heart rate, which for me became... Um, a bad thing so um, yeah so I had to stop using that but I you know for years it was very helpful for uh, my chronic pain and for my um, it made me think a little bit clearer which is mm -hmm. weird <laughs> but no. I, I had a process going on in my brain that was making my brain not work so good so <laughs> so yeah well, I'm glad you brought that up because perhaps I should talk to ask my my neurologist about that yeah I mean um, anything that'll help it's worth worth a shot Absolutely, yeah and the there's a lot of unfortunate stigma around it but yeah. there seems to be a lot of medicinal potential in in oh, cannabis that i feel like we're just 
even now just starting to sort of figure out because of the stigma and the laws around it there hasn't been that much research around a lot of these things well it sounds like a good um thing to talk about so i'll think yeah. about that yeah keep me updated um, <laughs> just don't use it before boxing class because <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> just, uh, just out of curiosity, I read that some, some cannabis doesn't give you the the so-called high, yeah, as others. And I'm assuming that medicinal does not. It depends. Um, the thing that you're probably referring to is CBD, which is oh. not psychoactive at all. But yeah, I mean, talking to a doctor is a good idea. But even since laws have changed sometimes doctors are still not as willing to talk about it or maybe aren't as knowledgeable about it so it's it's a big confusing world um mm -hmm. <laughs> I, yeah you yeah. have to be your own advocate i i know yeah totally and yeah tell uh, me about that in your experience what was the moment you realized that no one else was going to advocate for you oh i don't know probably the second time i went to the doctor <laughs> <laughs> Um, I find that the medical community does not respond well. Either that or some of us can't communicate well with the doctors. Hmm. You know, the last time I went to the doctor about two weeks ago, I was having a lot of dizziness and vertigo. Well, he zoned right in on vertigo and ignored my dizziness completely. Well, I understand what the problems with vertigo. I know how it works and what, how to avoid it. I just happened to mention it, you know. And so the rest of the whole visit, he ignored the fact that I'm dizzy and lightheaded. And even though I brought the conversation back to that subject two or three times, he still ignored it. Mm. And so I just threw up my hands and left. <laughs> so you, you have to almost become a medical person yourself to get the answers you need. Yeah, totally. It's so true. You really have to develop a thick skin around mm -hmm. dealing with medical professionals sometimes. Yes. Yeah, which is so frustrating when you are struggling and trying mm -hmm. to learn how to deal with something and you go to the expert and they brush it off. It's very right. it's very dehumanizing. Yeah. And they don't tell you about new things or new medications or they just sort of hold the line. Hmm. No doctors have ever offered me therapies, uh, except for one therapy that Kaiser had, which was called Big and Loud or something like that, which was about three sessions doing different types of exercises or routines that had that were focused on balance and that kind of thing. Other than that, they never offered me anything, even if I've inquired, oh, no, we don't have anything like that right now. So I feel a bit frustrated with the medical community as far as my illness goes. Yeah, you have to learn how to talk to them. And it's, mm -hmm. it's a skill. It's like, you know, haggling yeah. with a car salesman. You got to learn the lingo a little bit. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I've learned so many great tips from hosting this podcast. But, you know, things like uh, if your doctor refuses to run a test, Tell them that you'd like them to mark that in the chart that they refuse to run the test. And then oftentimes um, that's enough to get them to do oh, it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Is yeah. that something? <laughs> yeah, I love stuff like that. You know, little tips oh. and tricks. Um, I learn a lot of that stuff from TikTok as well. There's so many great content creators out there in the chronic illness yeah, world. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you have all the minds going for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's the beauty of 
of the internet and, and chronic illness, like none of us have to go through anything alone anymore. There's mm-hmm. someone out in the world going through everything. <laughs> same thing just, as you. Yeah, same thing as you. No matter what it is you're going through, someone else out in the world is living through it. Right. It's just about finding that connection, making that connection and and being able to vent a little bit. You know, that's always so powerful. I know. That's very true. Yeah. What do you do when you get to that frustration point? Do you have a pressure release valve? Um, is it like a favorite show or, you know, a coping mechanism of some kind that makes you feel better in those moments? This is really silly and probably most people would laugh at it, but um, other than my quilting, I love to quilt, so Mm -hmm. I do that. But in the last year, I became more or less addicted to K-drama. Do you know what (laughs) K-drama is? Like a a Korean Korean soap operas? Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) That's great. I love that. I just, I just love their shows. And so um, if I want to forget about anything, I'll just turn on the TV and watch a few episodes of some show that I'm in the middle of and yeah. forget all about it for a, at least for a few hours. That's phenomenal. We all need that. I mean, I watch a grown man play hard Mario levels almost every morning <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> We've all got our weird thing. Yeah. Where- you know, if someone else is in the room, we like change the channel so they don't know what we're watching. <laughs> I love that. Um, so I know this is a weird question, but I, I feel like w- with any chronic illness or disability, learning to live with it teaches us things that are really worth knowing. And there's mm-hmm. always a benefit as much as it seems sort of, you know, unexpected to think of it that way. But mm-hmm. have you felt that? Have you felt any benefits of having Parkinson's disease? Um, I do. I think I'm much more patient, mm. especially with myself. So if I don't get the dishes done today, I don't worry about it. It'll still be there tomorrow and yeah. I can do it then. Um, or if I'm too tired to vacuum, nobody's going to see the lint on the couch or the <laughs> plums on the floor, you know. So I think I'm much more patient with myself and probably with other people too. Um, so that's one benefit. Yeah. Um, I also think I'm not adverse to depending on other people more. Hmm. Used to be, you know, I was pretty independent. And I've been single for a long time. And, and so um, I don't mind when somebody helps me in or out of the car or opens a door for me or carries my packages or that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's interesting how those things can sort of accumulate where you can change in ways that seem really simple and basic, Mm -hmm. but make a big difference in how you feel about yourself and about Mm -hmm. your life. And something as simple as becoming more patient can be, have such a positive impact on your entire life. Yeah, it can. That reminds me, you mentioned early on that Parkinson's can bring about some mental health challenges. Can you tell me some more about that? Sure. Um, I haven't experienced a lot of them, um, but you can be, you know, get depressed and have anxiety issues. Um, it can even de- develop into um, psychosis, hmm. where people have hallucinations and um, act out. The acting out is often part of dreaming. Um, people have sleep issues, so sometimes the medication causes people to ha- actually act out in their sleep. Wow. Um, 
I've heard of people that can't sleep with their spouse because they'll wake up in the night with them hitting them or mm. assaulting them in their sleep. <laughs> but um, the other cognitive issues are probably more prevalent where people start forgetting people's names or how to do something or where they left something. And just sim similar to cognitive issues that you get as you get older, but then they can develop into dementia. Hmm. I think a, a third or half of all people with Parkinson's eventually develop um, dementia. It seems like there's a lot to learn about Parkinson's and maybe a line at which you don't want to know too much. <laughs> it might be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that with... With situations like this, when you don't know what your future is going to look like, mm -hmm. um, it can be good to be prepared or it can be bad to be overprepared to mm -hmm. have all these things in your head about what can happen. I'm worried um, about it. Yeah. Yeah. How do you know where that line is for yourself as far as how much to, to Google and how much to research and yeah, what know. to know? I try to just be positive and I do the exercise so I can move properly and I do exercise my brain by doing all kinds of puzzles, word puzzles, math puzzles, um, computing for yardage for quilts and things <laughs> like that yeah. <laughs> to keep my brain mo and uh, active all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that sounds like, you know, the best course of action is just mm -hmm. treat yourself as best you can do as best you can and, and let the rest of it happen as it happens and right. live in the moment. Don't, don't live in the future or the past, but find ways to um, be present and enjoy your life now, because mm -hmm. that's all we have. That's right. It's true. Yeah. And I, I love that perspective. That's something that chronic illness taught me that has been incredibly valuable. Mm -hmm. But that's so interesting about the, the mental health piece of this, because I think that getting a diagnosis like Parkinson's could lead to anxiety and depression for anyone. But then there's also the side of it where there's like a neurological chemical thing happening in your brain that could be causing depression, depression. Or, or anxiety yeah. that is very unrelated to your mental state in the moment. And right. it must be really complicated for Parkinson's patients to know why they're feeling how they're feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've, I've not experienced any steep depressions. Maybe occasionally I'll feel a little down about something, but... Um, Nothing that's ex extended periods of time or anything like that. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Some people experience personality changes. Oh, wow. They become more aggressive or they become submissive, depending on their living situation, maybe. But um, I have not experienced that, that I can tell. You know, and nobody's told me, gee, you're, little, you're moody or you're, <laughs> you're not as happy as you used to be. or. Hmm. Things like that. So I don't know about that. Yeah. But it can happen. Is there anything else uh, that we have not covered that you'd like to include today? Um, let's see. Oh, one thing I just read recently in the last few days was that scientists have discovered a biomarker that they think will um, allow them to, to test people for the probability that they would, may develop Parkinson's. Wow. They can... Um, test for this sign marker that's called alpha-synuclein, which is a um, protein that causes the death of the cells. 
And so if you have an overabundance of this alpha synuclein, I guess you you have the proclivity towards developing the disease. Interesting. So it sounds like you're staying up to date on the Parkinson's research. Yeah, somewhat. Um, the Michael J. Fox Foundation does a lot of research and they put out lots of newsletters and webinars and things like that, as well as the um, Parkinson's Foundation and several other um, entities as well. Awesome. So if you just follow those, you can learn most of the new stuff that's coming out. I love Michael J. Fox. I think he's made a new movie. If, I can't did. remember can't remember the name of it, but I heard it. It's a new movie. Yeah, there's like a new uh, documentary about his life oh, of Parkinson's, I think. Was. I'm pretty sure that's yeah. what it is. I, I saw a I think commercial. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, Back to the Future trilogy is also one of my favorite things ever. And of course. Yeah, just seeing all the amazing work that he's done over the years with his mm -hmm. advocacy is so impressive. What a, yeah. what a cool guy. Um, well, Karen, you've done such an awesome job today. I have one more question for you. Okay. So I think that uh, being diagnosed with anything degenerative is a scary moment. So, you know, I, I hope that there's someone listening to this podcast that is looking for some comfort, maybe having just been diagnosed. Um, so let's address that person. Um, from your experience living with Parkinson's disease, what would you like to share with someone who has recently discovered that they have this disease? Do you have any words that you think might be helpful? I'd just say just be aware of yourself. Be aware of how you're feeling. Um, if you don't feel like you're getting the care that you need, look online, look to your friends and family to help you find um, what you need. It's easy to just say, well, I'll just take what comes. But if you're prepared somewhat, then I think you're better off. And just do what's good, for, feels good for you. I know it's hard sometimes to get up and go exercise, or it's hard to get up and make your breakfast even. But you need to, to take care of yourself, and that's the primary thing. Yeah, that's great advice for anyone. And mm -hmm. especially with a chronic illness, you know, finding that strength to continue to care for yourself is good exercise. It keeps your mm -hmm. body moving, keeps your mind moving. Right. And other people care about you. They yeah. just need to know that you need help. Mm. Don't be afraid to ask for help, advocate for yourself, yeah. and, and listen to yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great advice. Sure. Awesome. Well, Karen, amazing job today. I've learned a ton. Such a treat to get to talk to you. Um, well, is there anything you'd like to plug or share or direct our audience you know, towards? I don't think so, other than anyone who has Parkinson's. Just look to the uh, professional organizations that are there to help people with Parkinson's, Michael J. Fox Foundation and the Parkinson's Association and others. They'll provide lots of information and support. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for being so open and sharing your story and your time with us. I really, oh, really, really appreciate you coming on the show. Your, your, your interview style was very pleasant and nice. It wasn't difficult to talk to you at all. Oh, I'm glad to hear <laughs> thank that. Thank you. you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. 
Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons, Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, Brooke Walters Schmidt, Kelsey Madsen, All Around Foundation Waterproofing, Danielle Signorelli, Alexandria Henderson, Justin Minnick, Heather Muncie, and Robert, and our $25 per month producers, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at Patreon.com slash Major Pain Podcast.